You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, ready to take you through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. First, I want to sincerely thank all of you for making this podcast your first listen of the day. Some of you have been with me from the beginning. Others are much, much newer to the show. Either way, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to the show. As of this week, you can also watch the show if you would like. It is on YouTube. We are doing our third YouTube video right now as we speak. The hope is to be at over 200 subscribers by the time Gonzaga squares off against Duke the day after Thanksgiving. We're well on our way. If you are out there, you're listening to this, please, please, please go to Locked on Zags on YouTube. You can search for it. I'll post it on social media as well. Hit that subscribe button. I'd sincerely appreciate it. All right. It was a youth party in Spokane on Monday night. Chet Holmgren, Hunter Salas, Julian Strother, and Ben Gregg all had career nights as the Zags downed Alcorn State 84 to 57 Monday evening. Today's entire episode is going to be a recap of that game. We're going to take a look at Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren, the dynamic front court duo, how they looked in the first game, or in this game in segment one, excuse me. Second segment, we're talking about Hunter Salas, Julian Strother. Both those guys had outstanding games, career best performances for the freshman from Nebraska and the sophomore from Las Vegas. And then the third segment, we're going to talk some odds and ends, a few other things that I noticed in this game. We'll talk about Nolan Hickman's performance. We'll talk about Ben Gregg and Caden Perry. We'll talk a little bit about Rasir Bolton, basically covering as many different things from this game as we can. Getting right into it. It's always going to start with Drew and Chet. It's it's impossible to not have conversations about those guys for every single game. My main takeaway going into this game, normally before, before games, I do a preview of the game and I talk about the five things I'm most looking forward to. I didn't do that for this game because it was Mailbag Monday yesterday and I focused on getting those fans' questions answered. But I did post them on Twitter. The first one I posted was, does Chet get going offensively? Obviously, two points, five boards against Texas. There was a lot of consternation about that performance. Yes, Drew had 37. You know, yes, Gonzaga won by a lot of points. Should there be some concern? Uh, And then we kind of come out in this game, and I think I would have been more concerned if Chet looked very timid and passive for a second consecutive game. He did not. He, he, He didn't at all. He had 11 points, six rebounds, four assists, four of six shooting in this one, one from two, one of two, excuse me, from the three point line. Uh, he was aggressive immediately. This is not the Chet Holmgren that we have seen through, not not only against Texas, we didn't see this against Dixie State. I've mentioned this a few times. He had, I think, 12 of his 14 points against Dixie State were on offensive rebounds. He wasn't looking to score when he got the basketball in his hands. What made him great in that Dixie State game was they were kind of funneling the ball to him a la Tim Duncan from the Spurs days and kind of letting him play off, letting guys play off of him. He had a bunch of assists in that game. This game, that was not the case. He was looking to score when he got the basketball. Still ended up with four assists, obviously, so it's not like he was a black hole by any stretch of the imagination. He's too skilled and has too high of a basketball IQ to be somebody who just doesn't pass the ball. But he definitely 
wasn't looking to facilitate the offense first. He was looking to score first. I don't know if this was a Mark Few directive, if it was just because he felt the matchup was better for him, which it probably was. Uh, most of the time you play Alcorn State after Texas, it's going to be a better matchup. But he uh, he looked for a shot right away. Uh, like He had all 11 of his points in the first half. He didn't play that much in the second half. It was mostly just to get Ben Gregg and Caden Perry more minutes. Gonzaga played very few of their starters uh, a lot of minutes in the second half. They just didn't need to, so they didn't do it. It's a, a bit of a change for Mark Few. He usually plays his starters a little bit too much, but maybe felt with such a quick turnaround after that Texas game that it was a good chance to to get those guys a rest. But, you know, we saw him go in the paint. He His first shot was... He, he went on the or the first shot he took in the game, he went on the block right away, got the ball, turned, spun into the middle, and put up a little hook shot. He didn't make it, but that's the kind of stuff. We know he has this low post game. Through the exhibition games into this contest, we hadn't really seen it. We'd seen him step out. We'd seen him do, do some dribble drives. We'd obviously seen him pass the ball a lot, but we hadn't really seen him actually like go down in the paint, put his body on somebody, and try to score over them. And he did that a few times this game. A few of them he missed. A few of them he didn't. A few of them he put in the basket. He also had a three, obviously, a really smooth-looking shot that he knocked down with ease. Uh, again, didn't see much of it in the second half, but offensively, Yes, this is the kind of player that we saw. I know 11 points isn't going to pop. I know when you're talking about top five picks against teams like Alcorn State, you're expecting them to score a little bit more. I've gone on the record a handful of times on this podcast has said that Chet Holmgren is not a huge offensive threat. He's a good offensive player. He could be a great offensive player in the NBA, but right now he is more of a defensive prospect. That showed very clearly in this game. We've been focusing on his offense, but he looked fantastic on the defensive end of the floor. I mean, absolutely incredible. He was blocking shots. He was altering shots. He was grabbing rebounds. They ended up, Alcorn State attempted to pull him away from the rim a handful of times and have him out, go, out guarding the perimeter. He looked totally comfortable doing that. One of the first plays of the game, Chet was out away from the rim. Drew Timmy was down, was playing the rim protector role. The guy that he was guarding was trying to post him up. And Chet just looks so comfortable floating back and forth. He can get back under the rim. He can play help. He can. He's a good help side defender if he needs to be. He's just so effortless and smooth on that end of the ball. He's still going to get in some foul trouble. Most of the fouls that he commits are him reaching over the top, which I get. That's a, a hard thing to kind of drill out of guys when you're seven foot one with a seven foot six wingspan. You're. It's easy to just reach up for the ball. You're going to get called for it. That's the way college works. So we're going to see that continue to happen from him. He also, he brought the ball down a few times. This is something that always drives me crazy because all my coaches instilled in me early. If you get the rebound, keep chin it, put it under your chin, hold the ball there. We saw him bring the ball down a few times. He's not the only player on the roster guilty of that. But don't let those guards get a chance to get that ball. Get it up here, hold it up here. And, and you know, he's still, still a freshman, still had some bad passes, still made some mistakes. But all in all, a much better performance for Chet, uh, particularly offensively. But he, he looked great on both sides of the ball. And then, of course, Drew Timmy. Drew Timmy had 10 points, 5 rebounds, which certainly feels like a far departure from his game against Texas when he had 37 points on 19 shots. But Drew Timmy also set a career high with 6 assists in this game. It was so fascinating to see Gonzaga and Mark Few utilize him in the role that they used Chet Holmgren in in that first game against Dixie State. I kind of I made that Tim Duncan comparison before where they got Chet the ball at the top of the key. He either kept his back to the basket and let guards run off of him on picks, or he turned and faced and then kind of made his decision from there. He's capable of doing both those things. We saw Drew a little bit more in that role today too. Drew didn't quite get the ball as high as Chet Holmgren did, and that makes sense. Chet's got a little bit more range than him. But we saw Drew catching the ball. We saw one of my favorite plays of the game where Drew caught the ball. He held it out away from him. He kind of waited for he he waited for the uh, 
behind him to clear out. He was trying to wait to get some room that way. What ended up happening is Rasir Bolt made a backdoor cut. Drew caught him easily, threw a bounce pass to him, easy lay-in. That is exactly what I envisioned. Frankly, I envisioned that more with Chet, although we're going to see it plenty with him as well. But the fact that both of Gonzaga's big men, at least these two big men, can play really capably in that kind of Tim Duncan, Dirk Nowitzki role where they have the ball at the top of the key and things happen around them, that is such a luxury. NBA teams are looking for big men to do this with. This is why Nikola Jokic is the MVP. This is why DeMontis Sabonis is a two-time All-Star. Shout out Zags in the NBA. When you have big men who you can funnel your offense around, it makes you so difficult to defend. That's what we saw out of both Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren in these last couple of games. That's what makes this team so incredibly difficult. Beyond that, the high-low offense is back. They kind of went away from it the last few years. I don't think they felt that Anton Watson was was the perfect player for that role. Now they have that guy in Chet Holmgren. But what was great about this game is a lot of the high-low offense that we saw was Drew Timmy at the top of the key. Drew threw an alley-oop, alley-oop dunk to Chet Holmgren, which was fantastic. We saw Timmy throw an inbounds pass to Ben, or an entry pass to Ben Gregg. He scored on that. So this team can, ha- they have multiple players who can play multiple roles in that high-low offense. And Richard Fox talked about it on the broadcast. He talked about how when you have that high-low offense and you make that entry pass from the middle of the uh, the middle of the key, it makes it really, really hard to double. This is what Texas ran into. They did not expect, Chris Beard said this after the game, they did not expect Gonzaga to throw the ball to Drew Timmy from the middle of the court. They expected all the entry passes to come from the wing, and they had their defense predicated on doubling Drew Timmy from perimeter, or excuse me, yeah, from sideline entry passes. And instead, because Gonzaga kept feeding him the ball in the middle, they didn't know what to do and he just ran train all over them so in this game you see that high low offense you see how effective it is teams are not going to have an answer for this all season long Alcorn State didn't have the size to handle Gonzaga physically anyway but they especially don't have the ability to stop that when Gonzaga does it in a spot that makes it really difficult to double team and I thought that the ability of Chet and Drew to play either of those roles we saw Anton Watson play them we saw Ben Gregg play them a little bit as well Caden Perry too they have this this array of skills with all of their big men that just make them so, so difficult to stop. All right, that's a wrap on the Drew Timmy Chet Holmgren front court. There could be every episode could just be dedicated to talking about those two guys. You guys would get sick of it. I understand that, but it's they're so fascinating to watch these two dudes uh, play basketball together. Uh, in the second segment, though, we got more guys to talk about. We're going to focus on Julian Strother, career high in points. Hunter Salas, obviously, a career high in points for him as well. Before we get there, though, let's talk about today's sponsor, NetSuit. This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system out there to power your company's growth. With visibility and control of your finances, inventory, HR needs, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow as a company, all in one convenient location. NetSuite lets you automate your processes and close your books in no time while leaving you ahead of your competition. In fact, 93% of businesses surveyed increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite right now through the end of the year. NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash lockedonncaa. Head to netsuite.com slash NCAA for a special end-of-the-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. netsuite.com 
slash locked on NCAA. Today's episode is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this app, and I know that you will too. Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offer all the all star players from not only the Power Five schools, but from your favorite mid major conferences as well. New users that deposit and use the promo code LOCKED ON will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. PrizePix allows mixed sport entries, so you can take the over on Chet Holmgren combined with the under on Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. Use the award winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, it's that easy. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com and use promo code LOCKED ON or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. All right, second segment. We talked about the Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren experience in the first segment, the damage that those two players did against Alcorn State, the offensive game that we saw from Chet, how he looked improved and more confident and more eager to try to score on that end of the floor. Now we're going to pivot, talk about the backcourt here in the second segment. Hunter Salas was probably the most notable player in this game, in part because he was a young man who only played four minutes against Texas. I was shocked when I saw that. I knew he didn't play a lot, and I knew Andrew Nembhard played the entire game, so it shouldn't have been that surprising. But when I looked at the box score and saw four minutes for Hunter Salas, a kid who I... I I really need to remind people, was a higher-rated recruit in his class than Jalen Suggs was. Now, the classes are different, obviously, but that's still a pretty notable fact. Hunter Salas, the first-ever five-star recruit out of the state of Nebraska, one of the highest-rated recruits in Gonzaga history, and in the biggest game of the season, he played four minutes. That is how deep and ridiculously talented this Gonzaga team. It does not say anything about Hunter as a basketball player, and that was proven very conclusively in this game against Alcorn State. He was an absolute menace. He looked fantastic. He came in early, came in alongside Anton Watson in the first substitution rotation of the game, which is what I think is going to be the general case this year. I think Watson and Salas will come in first, and I think Hickman's going to come in after that, and that's going to be generally your eight. We saw more in this game. We'll talk about that a little bit more in the third segment. But that's kind of where I expect Salas to play. He came in at the 14-minute mark, ended up playing 25 minutes, led the team in minutes per game. Uh, he scored 16 points on 6 of 9 shooting, including 4 or 5 from the free throw line. Just a fantastic game from Salas. He was active. He was quick. He was looking for his shot. He's an exceptional finisher around the rim. This was the skill that was kind of touted about him when he was coming out of high school. They said he's not... You know, he's not a big outside shooter. He's just, he's a super hyper athlete, super, super athletic young man, which has absolutely been proven true, not just by him winning the dunk contest at Craziness in the Kennel a few months or about a month ago, but just his overall athleticism. You can see it in games. You can see he made, (laughs) he made an interception on a pass, uh, I think early, or I think late in the first half, Uh, there was a half court trap. The guy tried to throw across the court. Salas stepped behind him, reached back over his head, caught it with one hand, went the length of the court and laid it in. Just an incredibly athletic play from a kid that is just is just on another world uh, in terms of pure athleticism beyond that he's got great instincts defensively really quick hands lots and lots of steals I think he's going to be he might be Gonzaga's steals leader even if he's only playing the sixth or seventh most minutes on this team he's just he's that quick 
at getting his hands out there. But this game was more about what he did offensively. We knew he was a good defensive player. We knew he had those good instincts, but we hadn't really seen that killer instinct offensively. We hadn't seen him really looking for his shot. Uh, again, it's only been a few games, obviously, so it's hard to hard to glean too much from that information as it is. But he looked great in this game. Uh, he was cutting to the rim, a lot of backdoor cuts. He was driving to the basket when he had opportunities to. He was out in transition really smoothly. Just a, a, a really efficient game. I, I, some of you may recall that one of my hot takes for this season, I figured if I was going to listen to all of your hot takes and grade them that I should have some of my own. One of mine was that Salas would be the team's highest effective field goal percentage guard on the roster. I, I think Rasir Bolton seems like he's going to put that to the test, which is uh, totally understandable. But Salas, you know, he had 16 on six of nine shooting today. He took one three-pointer. It wasn't pretty. That's not an area of his game that is really refined right now. There was some consideration of maybe he's going to turn into a good three-pointer. We just didn't see it a lot in high school, but maybe it's something that's in his bag. I don't I don't think that it is, and that's okay. Uh, it, it will come over time. You can get better as an outside shooter. That's a pretty easy skill to continue to develop. I think that he will, whether it happens this year or next year when he takes on a bigger role, it's hard to say. But I think he's. that's the only thing really missing from his game. His basketball IQ, his athleticism, his instincts defensively, his ability to get to the rim, his ability to convert from the free throw line are all already there. And he's going to be a really, really good reserve player. I don't think there are going to be many more games this year where he's playing four minutes or less. And then we got to talk Julian Strother. One of my keys heading into this game was whether Julian Strother was going to bounce back from a very, I shouldn't say very, from a not good game against Texas. He just, he didn't look like himself. It was his first really big game where he was getting significant minutes and he looked a little lost. He made some mental errors. He didn't convert the shots he needed to convert. So I always like to look for how players respond to that because if you see them continuing to kind of, I mean, it's only been two days. If you see them wallowing a little bit or get or pressing too much, trying to shoot really quickly, like not playing within themselves, that's kind of a concern that, hey, maybe that game is still impacting them. Not the case at all with Julian Strother. 18 points, 7 of 9 shooting, 3 for 4 from downtown. Scored on the first play of the game. Had 10 points in the first 5 minutes of this one. This is what we've been talking about with Julian Strother. This is why everybody was so excited about him coming into the season. He is a microwave scorer. He gets hot in a hurry. Gonzaga has had guys like this in the past, but it is so fun to watch when dudes can just score you know, time and time and time again on the court. And you just you look up and you're like, oh man, that guy had 10 points in it. You know, it's, the game barely started. Like, he does it so effortlessly. Obviously, the fact that he could shoot from the outside is a huge, huge part of not only his game, but Gonzaga's game this year. They need that from him. They don't have a lot of experienced outside shooters. His ability to knock down threes consistently is going to be a massive part of this team's success this year. Another thing with Julian that's kind of been the case all year is he seems to be, he plays really well for a half. He didn't put together a full game this year. Now, I mentioned this early in the episode that the second half of the second half of the second half was basically all young guys. Strother didn't play at all in that time. He didn't play much in the second half at all. So it's hard to fault him for not playing well when he wasn't on the floor all that much. But still, he 18 points is obviously incredible. Ties his career, excuse me, breaks his career high. He's going to break that career high again. 18 will not be his career high for very long. I expect him to get over 20 points a handful of times this season, probably average in the 13, 15 points per game range. He's going to have some clunkers. He's a young guy. He's a streaky shooter. When when your biggest skill is shooting and you're not doing it well, you become pretty difficult to play. This was a, a question that was posed to me on Mailbag Monday about how Nolan Hickman took Julian's minutes at the end of the game against Texas. I think that'll happen again, not just when Julian's in the doghouse, but because he's not a great defensive player. And if, if he's not shooting well in that game, he becomes a lot more difficult to play. But there are also going to be games like this where he scores 10 points in five minutes and finishes with 18 just effortlessly. 
All right, still talking Alcorn State through the first two segments of today's episode. We're going to come back on the third segment. We're going to talk some more odds and ends, a few other guys we haven't discussed yet, some other fun things that we saw in this contest. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bet Online. Bet Online is back and better than ever. Bet Online has a new web interface for the start of the NBA and college basketball season and features more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. All right, third segment coming at you. Still talking Zags, still talking Gonzaga's victory over Alcorn State on Monday evening, 3-0 on the young season, heading into their Friday evening game against Bellarmine. Before we get to the big week, Central Michigan, UCLA, and Duke in the span of five days coming at you next week. Cannot wait for all of the podcasts that we're going to be doing, talking about those three games. But for today... We're still talking Alcorn State. We're talking about some of the other guys that hadn't been discussed through the first two segments. The first other thing, I, I mentioned that I had some keys to the game. One of them was what the playing time was going to look like for both Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman. We already talked Salas. want to talk a little bit about Nolan Hickman. He had kind of an up and down game. He, he struggled to shoot two for five on the game, which included two for two from inside the arc and 0 for three from the three-point line. He has not really gotten that three-point shot going yet at all this season. Uh, he still had four assists in 24 minutes, so hard to be too too critical of him. That's pretty pretty great numbers there, good efficiency from the young freshman. But we did see some some freshman stuff. He seems to get a little loose with his dribble sometimes. Had a couple turnovers that way where he got two. He he wasn't paying attention to where guys were behind him. His dribble was kind of out away from the away from his body. Got the ball stripped from him a few times. There was a an instance caught on the broadcast for those of you who were able to see it, uh, where Brian Michelson, the assistant coach, was kind of in his face. It didn't look like he was screaming at him, but he was he was coaching him. <laughs> we'll put it that way. He was he was letting him know that something went uh, a direction that they didn't want it to go. But I think I think no, he hasn't had his signature game yet. I think that's kind of the best thing to say. He's very talented, and you can see it. You can see it particularly on the defensive end of the floor. But you can see it on offense, too. He goes with the flow. He he's, has very few turnovers on the season. He's been very good. I mentioned the, the loose dribbling, which he needs to get in. You know, he needs to tighten that up a bit. But he's been pretty good at avoiding turnovers. It hasn't really caused a significant issue yet. Um, and again, the shot will start falling. I'm not super worried about the outside shot. It'd be really nice if Nolan Hickman could contribute from the, beyond the arc. We've talked about how this team doesn't have a lot of guys out there. Nemhard had a good shooting night today. Obviously, Julian and Rasir Bolton are great three-point shooters. Chet's going to start knocking them down. But if Hickman could be a part of that conversation, I think that's going to help this team a lot. He's a good passer. He's a good defensive player. He just he hasn't quite had that moment. One of these games. I don't know whether it's Bellarmine or if we, when we get a little past the Thanksgiving week and we have, you know, Northern Arizona and some of those games on the schedule. But one of those games, he's going to pop. He's going to have 15 points, seven assists, and and you're going to be like, that's the game. That he's finally, you know, he's 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 fully ready. He's here. He he's going to be a big part of this team going forward. He just hasn't quite had that game yet. Speaking of the next two big guys, we kind of we kind of had one of those games for those guys, uh, Ben Gregg and Caden Perry. Uh, I was really curious what the rotation was going to look like. We knew we were going to see them. In this game, you know, there's no reason to not play them uh, against an opponent like Alcorn State. Uh, we saw Ben Gregg early. 
He came in at about the nine minute mark of the first half. He came in at the 11 mark, 11 minute mark, excuse me, of the second half. Uh, so he was getting some significant run. Caden Perry got less than half the playing time. Now, the reason for that is fairly simple. Caden Perry fouled out. He fouled out in five minutes of action, um, did not score any points, got a couple of rebounds. Um, Caden Perry is a super energetic young man. He's going to be really, really talented, but he's still pretty lost on the defensive end of the floor. I think this game was less about him not being ready or a skill set situation. It was more about he was just juiced. He was just super energetic. He, most of his fouls were him just going a little too hard, not being able to control himself. I'm not, I'm not hyper concerned, but the main reason I'm not concerned is because we don't really need him this year. He doesn't have to play. You know, in a game, uh, he would have played more than five minutes had he not fouled out, but he was probably only going to play seven or eight minutes in this game. And I think against, you know, when we get into conference play, we get into those games, he's going to play three to five minutes per game. I think that's going to be his role. Uh, he's getting used to the college game. You know, we, we talked about this when we did the preseason stuff. Ben Gregg has a half year of experience on Caden Perry. When you're talking about late game situations, you're talking about just getting your feet under you and adjusting to the speed of the college game. Like that half year makes a big difference. And Ben Craig looked a lot more comfortable on the basketball court today. He scored immediately on a high low, drew Timmy to Ben Gregg under the basket. He got position. He established himself. He put his hands up. He caught the pass. He spun to his right, laid it in. He, he It looked smooth. It looked like the kind of move Drew Timmy does. Like that's how smooth it looked for him. He scored a bunch of easy bunnies in the second half as well. Finished the game with uh, eight points and two rebounds on four of seven shooting. He did shoot a three, didn't knock it down, but it was a good look. Just a really, really nice game from Ben Gregg. The eight points are, of course, a career high for him. Most of them right around the rim. A lot of times it was him posting up. We've seen Greg kind of, I've compared him to Killian Tilly a lot, and I think he's going to be most often the high man on the high-low offense, which is why it was kind of nice to see him getting down low, fighting for position, being physical, being that kind of role player, because that's not really something we have seen from him yet. Granted, we haven't seen a lot from him in general, but that was, it was nice to see him kind of play the low role and actually show that he has some physical strength down low and can can push people around and, and, and fight for position on offense. And then the last thing, when I, I did my preseason notes, or excuse me, my pregame notes, I talked about if Rasir Bolton will keep up his hot shooting. Uh, Bolton ended up kind of being a non-factor in this game. Seven points, four rebounds, two assists. Uh, he shot two for three from the field and one for two from three. So certainly his hot shooting has continued going one for two from three, lowered his three-point percentage on the year because he was seven for 10 coming into the game. So it's kind of funny to see him lower his three-point percentage by making 50% of them. Uh, but this is what's so nice about this team, as I kind of mentioned in the notes, like the Zags don't need him to be... Be as efficient as he's been. He does not have to be this elite scorer every single game. That was the case here. Rasir Bolton took three shots. The dude who played 32 minutes against Texas, who was one of the biggest reasons they won that game. Seven points on three shots. Didn't score until under three minutes in the first half. Just didn't need him to do that. Now, he's still an important part of this team, but like he's, he's going to have games like this, and Gonzaga has enough depth that they can stomach this pretty easily. Now, I don't want Rasir Bolton taking three shots in NCAA tournament games. <laughs> that's If that's happening, that means that either Hunter Salas has exploded and is like one of the best guards in the league, or it means that something has gone wrong. But I'm hoping that that won't be the case. But, but early in the season, to be able to let Bolton only play, you know, he didn't play as many minutes. He only took three shots. He was kind of letting some of the younger guys do more stuff. Salas took more shots, obviously. Hickman took more shots. Julian took a lot of shots in this game. Like, it's just nice to have that opportunity to let some of the younger guys stretch their legs metaphorically and literally in that sense uh, and get an opportunity to play uh, real minutes in the kennel 
against real Division One basketball teams. And so it's kind of fun to, to see that opportunity today. It means that the stat lines for guys like Timmy and Bolton and Andrew Nempard weren't as didn't pop as much as they will probably in some of the other bigger games this season, but that's okay. That's what makes it so fun. That's what makes these kinds of games, games that I really like watching. I know a lot of Gonzaga fans probably more likely to tune into Texas Duke and UCLA. And I get it. I'm going to be tuned into those games too, but these games offer a lot of glimpses into the future. Uh, in some cases, the future of this season, depending on how things shake out, but certainly at least in the case of Strother and Salas and Greg and Perry and Hickman, uh, the future of this team after this season. So that's going to do it for today. we got WCC Wednesday coming up later in the week. I'm going to record that on Tuesday evening after the BYU-Oregon game so we can get a better sense of what the BYU Cougars look like. They've been a little a little spotty so far this season. Of course, Thursday's episode will be Andy Locks. And then Friday, we're going to do a preview of the Bellarmine game before the Friday night showdown for the Zags, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. And of course, the Locked On Zags YouTube channel. Check it out. If you have not subscribed already, hit that subscribe button. Looking to get to over 200 subscribers before Gonzaga and Mike Krzyzewski's Duke squad square off the Friday after Thanksgiving. Finally, thank you once again for making this episode your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your next listen the Locked On Bets podcast. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!